This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. He was really good to me and my wife. When we got married, he, he loaned us his car and his driver for, for the day. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter-attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Joining us today, Nigel Gibbs. Good evening, Nigel. How are you? Good evening. Uh, very pleased to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to be speaking to you, Nigel. Uh, huge fan, personally. Used to, if I ever saw you in town when I was a, a bit of a, a more of a younger person, I used to shout Gibbsy, <laughs> and you'd always you'd always put the put the hand up. So it, it's an absolute honour um, to, to talk to you. Just to, to really get stuck into it, uh, we we don't often get to the chance to talk to, to people that, from a playing career, have played you know for one club, and you are you know a one club man. And I and I, I obviously want to touch on how it all all started for you. But I read a, um, I read something the other day, and I just wanted to pick it up with you. I know obviously we're going to touch on how many appearances that you made, but we we do talk to a certain Mr. Luther Blissett quite regularly, who is obviously holds the um, the record for most appearances for Watford yes. but am I right in, am I right in saying that you actually made more starts than Lufa yes I am aware of that fact now I, I hold the record for number of starts uh, as a right back and, a, and when it was one sub and then three I wasn't on the bench much and I wasn't going to affect the game coming on so I didn't actually make many sub appearances so but yes I do I hold the record for the club uh, of starts which I'm I'm very proud of actually That's obviously awesome. Lufa's uh, got the record appearances but uh, for me personally you know I, I feel pleased with that to be honest yeah it's fantastic it's um i wasn't aware of it honestly so that, that that's why i wanted to, to bring it up and i, yeah, I, no, think, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I got incredible. made aware of that recently uh, as well i obviously knew i was second in the all-time appearances behind the legend of luther but um then then i was told oh you've made more starts than anyone else in, in the club's history so uh, you know that's a nice honor to have just take us back then so um st saint Al- Albans lad born yes, and bred yes st Albans born and bred uh went to school in park street and then uh, marshall's wick in st Albans. 
actually played for Abbots Langley uh, Rovers, which became Evergreen uh, for about a year. And then I joined St. Albans City Youth and played there for a couple of years until my dad um, actually joined the club. Uh, Tom Wally and Graham Taylor poached him from Hemel Hempstead. He was manager of Hemel Hempstead at the time. He had quite a distinguished uh, non-league career. He played, he played nearly 700 games for St. Albans and Hitchin. Um, and then went into management um, but he was at Hemel and then he became scouting for um, the boss and coaching with Tom and one day he told Tom look my son plays and he said right we're going to have a look uh, I was playing for St Albans City Youth and then Tom came yeah I like what I saw and then I, I came in training that was from the age of 11 so you know it was a long association um, you know up until I, I left the club Were you always uh, a right back or were you sort of playing in other positions no, as well? No good question I wasn't no I started up up, up front and no. then I went into midfield and then when I joined Watford I'm still not the tallest now but I was only <laughs> small and quite thin and wiry but I ended up playing right back because I was playing, um, you know, above my age, you know, I was playing mm. in older age groups and physically I couldn't cope. But so I ended up playing right back until I left school. I still played for the county and district in midfield. I did play occasionally for the youth team, but I was playing mainly right back. So take us, uh, I don't know why, I don't, I don't know if it's somebody's told me this or, but I always kind of, when you talk to other fans, I always kind of got told, oh, Nigel Gibbs didn't really start quite, you know, quite late on in his career. It's almost like, you know, quite a late professional start. I don't really see that because as I as I recall, and bearing in mind, I would have been very young, you made your debut in Europe for Watford. Yes, and, and it was a young age, actually. I'd literally just signed professional uh, three days before my, before my debut. So I'd mm. only just turned 18, signed professional, and then 18 and three days, and I made my debut in, in the UEFA Cup against Sparta Prague. Yeah, you're correct, yeah. I did so uh, what baptism of fire uh, so yeah, you don't you... forget ever your debut but particularly in Europe you know that's uh, quite special on, on its own can you can you just take us sort of through that sort of briefly in the sense of you know you've signed your professional contract you, you, you're into the training you, you're doing whatever you're doing and then the, the, the gaffer says right Nigel you're you're making your debut how was that for you that must have been incredible yes it was I mean it was quite a strange time I, 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 at that in that period um, there was a lot of new players but they weren't registered in time to play for the UEFA Cup so a lot of young players got their opportunity pricey Jimmy Gilligan Ian Richardson myself and uh, Warrell Sterling who, who was a little bit older than me but uh, so they'd all have made their debuts and then there was a lot of injuries uh, at the time the boss had just signed David Barsley and Lee Sinner who he'd worked with with the England youth team I, was, I wasn't I was sure of my future really to be perfectly honest I, I, I'd done well as an apprentice but nothing fantastic and was in the reserves um, but not anywhere near the first team and then um, he signed those two players and I'm thinking well there's Charlie Palmer there's Pat Rice there's David Barsley I'm thinking am I going to be good enough am that, I going to get a sniff yeah board, you know and <laughs> But get off an apprentice, uh, sorry, professional contract. I'm, I'm going to take it. So I signed, and then I got into the team. Um, there's the story. It's you know, it was interesting. We always used to train on the day of the game. I, I don't know if you spoke to other players at the, in, in around that era, but we used to train in the morning of the games, which doesn't happen these days. And also on a Saturday morning before the game. So sort of trained on the on the Monday with the first team squad because of numbers, and then Tuesday morning we trained. And then at the end of the session, um, the boss said, "Oh, what are you doing later?" Gibson and I said, "Well, I'm coming to the game, boss." He said, "Oh, do you, do you fancy playing?" And it was, it, it was. I said, 
yeah, I'll, I'll play. You know, it was, it was that kind of conversation. And I can't remember the exact words. And so I went home at my rest, came back to the ground and and, and I was in the team. Now, it was, it was his way of sort of relaxing me and not putting too much pressure on me. I suppose if he'd have told me earlier, I'd have maybe not slept or whatever. And um, But, you know, that that's, that's how it happened, really. So obviously the gaffer we're talking about is Graham Taylor. Obviously, you played under quite a, a number of managers at Watford. Whenever we get a chance to talk to anybody that's played under Graham Taylor, we take that opportunity because someone always has at least one amazing story about Graham. Are there any really strong memories of Graham that you can bring to mind that are favourite memories of yours? No, I, I always felt that uh, I, I was in awe of the guy. So I met him when I was 11 years of age. Uh, never met a, a manager before um, in, the, in the tunnel at at Vicarage Road on an evening game when my dad was introduced to him and that. So, you know, I just, I was in awe of him really, to be perfect. I think he was a genius. I think he was ahead of his time. I think his motivational skills, his tactical, he was ahead of the game on the, on the analysis. And I, I don't think there's any one specific sort of occasion where I can sort of speak about him, but he was always there, you know, whenever I needed any advice or I think I spoke to him more uh, on the on the advice when I actually left the club and became a coach and spoke to him. I still called him boss. I didn't call him Graham. He was still boss to me and still boss now. But uh, you know, I spoke to him on little bits of advice. But yeah, no, he was he was incredible, incredible manager. Um, and when when I went on to the other side of, of the coaching, you know, of the coaching side of things and understand how well he did, even more how well he did, putting teams together, developing a, uh, a style of play, developing uh, a culture. It, it was incredible what he did, you know, the amount of pr- promotions, you know. So I can't really pinpoint one particular, uh, you know, occasion, but just just generally all the way through. And, you know, sometimes I needed, a, uh, you know, an arm around my shoulder. He just knew what to do, you know. And I think that was the case for most managers, uh, sorry, most players. He just, he knew how to get the best out of you. So your time at Watford is long. It's very, very long. 20, 20 years of player and, and then three, three and, a, three and a bit on the staff. But Tw- 20, that was from the age of 11 as well. So 20 years. That was on and on, you know. Wow. 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 That's a long time. That's a long time. Are you the longest? There's 20, 20 pre-seasons, which weren't oh, easy at Watford, let me tell you. I can imagine. <laughs> Are you the longest serving player then? Is it, have you got the, the record for the longest serving player at Watford? Yes, I think I have actually. Yeah, I, I, I could be stand to be corrected, but I think I have. Yeah, yeah, I think I am. Yeah, That's like, I mean, I, I'm one of the very few I know that's had two testimonials. I was going to say, uh, yeah, two testimonials. Yeah. There is a handful of people who've had that. I mean, Billy Bond springs to mind. I think there's a sort of maybe four or five of us. You know, if you'd have given me one game as a schoolboy at Watford, I'd taken it. You know, but so I feel very privileged and you know and lucky to play all those games and all those years and and uh, at the club that I supported as well. You know. Yeah, I mean, I watched your. I think it was your second testimony. I think I saw on YouTube recently. Barnsley was there. I think Steve Sherwood was playing. Um, was that when we launched that red kit, or was it? Special- um, yes, it was around that time. We actually played Spurs uh, as a first team, and it, first I just team, retired, yeah. and I was actually sub. But before it, we had a, a Legends game, and we wore the red kit against a, a supporters team, which was that was, which was a fantastic day for me. I remember it. Yeah. Just to touch on a, obviously, you've been at the club so long, and you're Justin. I'm right in saying this that Gibbsy's probably the the one person that we've spoken to that's seen it right from Graham Taylor, you know, the European days and so forth, going right through to 2002, am I right, playing-wise? Yeah, yes, that's so, correct, yeah. So yeah. No they, one they else have, no one else we've spoken to has played yeah, that long. Yeah, covered that, no. you know, covered that, that, that kind of, that ground. So, I suppose what I'm trying to ask is is to kind of sum up the the, the change that happened and the, and the managers that you, you've you've played under because they're I've got to be honest from a fan's point of view and I can say this quite quite honestly you know there was some some quite 
hard times in the 90s, you know, uh, in the early 90s, especially, don't get me wrong, when, when Graham returned, it, it, it was fantastic. But I, I look back on that now. How do you kind of sum it all up, you know, your, your career at Watford? It was a roller coaster, definitely. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, obviously, when I joined the club as an 11-year-old, it was fourth division, third division, second division, and then first division. Watford, as we all know, is traditionally a, a lower division club. So for the club to get into into the first division or the Premier League, as it's called now, and that, that you know, was my first year as an apprentice. So I came into the club, um, we finished second to Liverpool, and wow, this is unbelievable. And then stayed in it until the boss left and, 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 and uh, stayed in the top division, always finishing the top half. So that, that, that early period was nothing but success, really, you know, because... Mm. I'd watch that success and then be part of it. Um, semi-finals, obviously the FA Cup and and UEFA Cup and and Europe. So that that early part was incredible. And then obviously the boss chose to leave. Um, and then we sold Barnsley, who was our best player. And then it started to sort of well, it was a transitional period. We tro- you know Steve Harrison came in after the boss and was it um, was it not Dave Bassett after the boss? Sorry, Dave Bassett and then and then Steve Harrison. Sorry, Dave Bassett came in. You're right and. Um, because I wanted to ask you about Dave Bassett. We've never yeah. really spoken to anybody that played under Dave Bassett. Um, and as a fan, you could just see, oh dear, this isn't going to work. This is not This is not what we're used to. What do you think the biggest change was when Dave Bassett came in? I think um, he underestimated the quality of the players. I think we, we when he was announced, we thought, oh, that they're meant to be really, really fit. The training was meant to be really difficult. It's going to be harder than anything. And it wasn't because we'd been under the boss and we were one of the fittest teams. And I think he's... Signings didn't work, um, apart from a couple, to be honest. And then he, he sold David Barsley, Richard Hill. There was one occasion uh, I remember when we, we played Portsmouth away um, that season. And in the stand was Luther, Tony Coton, myself. And there was another two or three players that I can't believe I'm sitting in the stand with these. But I can understand if someone wants to leave. But to leave Tony Coton out, to leave Luther out, you're thinking, this isn't right. I think we became, we didn't play as much football. We were very direct and it didn't suit the players we had. Kevin Richardson left and then went and won the league. Yeah. You're thinking these are top, top players, you yeah. know. So it didn't work. I actually speak to Dave Bassett occasionally now and I get on really well with him. But at the time we did a pre-season in Sweden and this isn't quite right you know I couldn't you couldn't put your finger on it but it just didn't feel right obviously following the the boss was always going to be very very difficult but of course yeah um we we just obviously didn't win enough games and ended up getting relegated you know yeah Mm. just the the fall from well not fall from grace but the the, it just it just went didn't it in one season it was just like it felt as a fan it just felt strange I think then as you say Steve Harrison came in and there was a bit of a I don't know, a bit of a plateauing kind of period then, really. And to my mind, there was kind of a plateauing period until Kenny Jacket sort of took over and then Graham took over again. And then it felt, ah, oh, here we go again. The momentum's building again now and, and, and things are on the upswing. But it was a bit of a period there where it was a bit sort of flat. It was, definitely. And also, you know, we, we escaped relegation a, a few times. I mean, mm. we won at Oxford away and to, to stay in the league when Steve Perriman's manager. I actually liked Steve Perriman. I thought he was, he was a really good manager, but the budget was a lot less um, yet to deal with selling the best players obviously the crowds had started to go down as well um, uh, so it was a it wasn't it wasn't a great period to be honest but obviously we came back through that period and like I say when Kenny uh, got in charge you know was put in charge we were in the second division and started really well under Kenny we didn't lose many games we drew too many games and never got promoted and obviously the boss came back and there's lots to talk about in that period as well but yeah <laughs> no, no, it, was, it was a tough time it was a tough time at, at yeah that period. 
I, I look back at that period and I think some of the players that, that came through that club as well, you know, you know Paul Furlongs, Kevin Phillips, yeah. you know, some, some real attacking-wise, we, we had a lot going for us. It just never, you know, God, God rest his soul, Glenn Roder, you know, it just never really kicked on. Yeah, it was. It was It was a tough time. But then, obviously, we, we, we get the Kenny Jacket, as Justin just said, sort of era, and it, it kind of uh, snowballs the other way for us. It, 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 it's incredible. But I, I just think it's amazing that, you know, to talk to you, for somebody that's, you've you've probably seen so much change at, at that club, even now, I don't know if you get to the games or if you get to the club now, you must look at it and go, it's unrecognisable really in, in, in some instances. Oh, it is. And um, when I first went was the Greyhound track. And yeah, we yeah. Ran, we ran, used to run on a Monday night when we trained there. So Monday night was training at uh, Vicarage Road and, in the, in the little weights room and running around the track and up the terracing and all those uh, kind of physical exercises. And then Thursday was at Woodside Leisure Centre on the cinder trying to, you know, trying to play some decent football on that, was which was quite difficult. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's changed. I mean, look at the stadium now. It's absolutely fantastic. I was there actually pre-season against West Brom. So... I mean, it's an unbelievable... And the pitch, the biggest thing is the pitch. You know, oh, it's the amazing, pitch is isn't it? Incredible. Yeah. Um, but I think the way they've done the stadium with the hospitality, it's it's a really, really good stadium. And I think because the fans are on top, the atmosphere now is is really, really good as well. I just want to touch on something you said a, a, a bit ago. I made a little note here. And it was it was just about... You could... Talking about Dave Bessett, you could feel that it wasn't right, you know, the whole thing, whether it be pre-season. And I, I just want to sort of touch on your, your, your coaching side of it. As, as well as your playing thing, can, when you're in a club as a player or, or as a coach, can you fairly early on can you kind of feel or, or sense that there isn't a galvanised unit or that there's something not quite right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that comes with experience as well. Yeah. Um, when when you know what good looks like, yeah, then yeah, yeah. you can you can relate to it. And I knew what good was like because I, I played five years under the boss and uh, and the and, and the quality of the player, the team spirit, the never say never say die attitude. Every game we went to win. Not that we didn't under Dave Bassett, but it just wasn't it wasn't the same. And mm. it, it all comes from the, the, the top. It all comes from the boss. Obviously, he's got his people above him but everything comes from from the leader of, of, of the club and that and for me that's the the football manager and uh, you can feel it so having played as a young player I didn't know what it was because mm. you're still learning but when you become more experienced and you become a coach and and you've been around good teams successful teams you you, 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 feel you know it. what's needed you feel it and sometimes you can't do anything about it that's the problem mm. that must be yeah, really yeah. difficult actually because I think there's been times where certain recent managers that we've had, they just look as if they don't know what they're doing, and you think, oh, you know, to they be in their shoes. Chance, that's well, the this is true. <laughs> this is true. But to be in their shoes, you think, how do I put this right? What do I do to get this right? It must be really quite tricky. Yeah, it is. And and players, the the, the players have changed uh, to a certain degree. You know, they're they're a lot fitter. They've got more finance behind them, and their mentality's changed. And and but that's football has has evolved. I'm sure the people before me would have said it's changed as well so it's course, uh, yeah, yeah. it's uh it, it, it evolves as we go along and uh but no i've obviously go back to Watford when i'm 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 about less than 10 minutes in the car to, i live in nascot woods so oh nice all right um, okay oh nice i actually drove past the mural today so, oh, it looks good uh, doesn't it? Doesn't that look oh, good it's fantastic amazing. yeah me and my wife we drove because we were just coming into watford and drove past and so yeah so i i, I live in the community i live around 
in Watford. I see Watford fans, so I'm still very much part of Watford, even though my career has taken me to other clubs. But obviously, Watford is still still my team. Yeah, of course. Actually, I was. Um, this is going off topic slightly, but I was watching the Elton John concert the other night from 2005, I think it was. Yes. And you got wished a happy anniversary. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> from Elton John. Uh, I know. Uh, how, how great's that? That's I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Say that. I mean, Elton was fantastic to me as a young player. He, he was incredible. Not only a superstar and, and uh, again, wow, this is Elton John. And, and, but he, his knowledge of football is incredible. He knows all the players. I, I still, I think he still does it now. He speaks to the club and players, but you know, he knew all the players. Uh, he knew all our wives' name. He knew all our families. Uh, we used to have a, a garden party at his house in, in Windsor before the season. And, we spoke uh, to Ian Bolton. <laughs> I mean, it, was in, it was incredible. But, you know, he, he when he came into the changing, he was just one of the lads. And, you know, you could have a little bit of a banter with him. But his knowledge, of, I don't know if you heard the story when we went to China. Have you have you heard a story? No, no, China? no, so, go on, no, no. So we, we went to China, actually it was the year, uh, end of the season when, when when the boss left. So it was that transition, who was coming in. So we went to China, the Great Wall of China Cup, and it was two-week tournament out there. And uh, Billy Howes, um, God rest his soul, was in charge of the old physio. He was in charge of the team. Tony Coton, uh, Luther was out there, Kenny Jacket. So it was, it was a strong strong team, good team. So we went to China and when he got out there, he, him and his manager, John Reed, were with us. The only people who knew him out there were the people in the, um, the hotels because the, the rest of the Chinese population didn't know who Elton John was. So it was very, so he felt really at ease and he used to come training and he said every time we win, he'd buy us a meal and all this kind of stuff. But he was with us all the time. Now, one of the training days, he wanted to join in the five-a-side. So Billy Howes has said to us, listen, lads, the, the chairman wants to join in. Now, we're going to have a five-a-side. Make sure you let him have the ball. Leave him alone. Don't tackle him. Don't do it. Just let him play. And he'll really enjoy it and all this kind of stuff. So chairman's in the um, in the team. And within the first ball going to his feet, Tim Sherwood, 50-50, puts him on the floor. <laughs> and, and it was like... What are you doing? Oh, yeah, and, and the world stopped. We're all thinking, oh my, it's like tumbleweed. Oh no, what's going to happen? And he absolutely loved it because he was part of the t- part of it and, and he got up and got on with it and we just played five aside. But you can imagine the story of that course. You know, young Tim Sherwood has just put Elm John in hospital, you know, with a tackle. But so that was, that was one little story. But he was fantastic on that tour and got to know us. He was really good to me and my wife when we got married. He he loaned us his car and his driver for for the day. Fantastic! Um, oh, awesome! So, um, so we had a really good relationship with him. And then on that night, you spoke about the um, the concert. I went to see him beforehand, which I was very lucky to be invited in and speak to him. And how are you doing? And and got and it was our wedding anniversary. They said, "Oh, I didn't know he was going to do that." So I can imagine when yeah. it came out. That, uh, yeah, you know, congratulations, Nigel and Heidi. It's their wedding anniversary, and I want to dedicate this song to to them. So that was it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you and you nudged the missus and went, see what I've sorted for us? Three parts for gold for the rest of the summer. So, uh, Fantastic, yeah. What was, he, what was he like on the pitch, Elton, when he was playing five-a-side? Was he any good? Did he have a good touch? I can't remember, to oh, be honest. That's a I, just, shame. Uh, I just remember that. Exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. He's, uh, but he's, his knowledge of football is very, very good and knows the players and, you know, really, really good. Excellent yeah, he's a proper stuff. supporter, isn't he? That's what yes, I like about him. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's, a, yeah, he's one of us, which is yeah, is what absolutely. I love about him. Yeah. And without him and the boss, the, the club wouldn't be where it is now. Without no, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. We 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 um, unfortunately in this day and age, we have uh, you know so much is said on social media, and there, there, there's a big um, part of the supporters that you know, as far as anyone's concerned, the club was born 
when the Pozzos took over. And they've done fantastic what they've done with the ground. But you can't ever forget where this club has been, you know, and, and how close it's been to ruin before and, and what's happened before it. And it's so important, you know, the work that Luther does and, and to keep that going, it's it's so important for, for this club. Yeah, and, and history is so important, especially for a club like Watford. Watford is a community club. Yeah, that's you know, it. We're, we're, that's we're it. a town of 85,000 people, you know, so we're... You know, a community club, the club is part of the community and the community part of the club. So, you know, as you say, that the, the Pozo's done an unbelievable job with the stadium and to get Watford into the Premier League is incredible. But, you know, you, you have to, you know, remember where we've come from as well, you know, which is, which is very important. Yeah, this that's is true. it. That's this 100%. So just moving it on slightly, I just want to talk about, um, you know, Graham coming back for the for the second time around and also um, about some goals that you scored. Um, I, was, I was fortunate enough. Now I, I can put that I was away at Oldham and I saw a Nigel Gibson. <laughs> was this when he was, ho- Gibson- was this when you were holding your nose after you he scored a goal? Nose, he yeah, yeah, a nose so celebration. Yes, yeah, yeah. I can remember all my seven goals very clearly. So uh, I mean, I enjoyed that one because of the. I mean, Darren Baisley that season was doing some brilliant celebrations, and and so that sort of. And obviously, I'd taken a little bit of stick here from the boss in the past about not going over the halfway line, not going forward, and if you go. <laughs> the halfway line you'll get a nosebleed so I always had that in the back of my mind next time I scored I was going to because before I just celebrated how I celebrated but that was the only one I thought well if I do score I'm going to do that I, I didn't score many goals so that I, I scored the winner so I scored a 1-0 winner at West Brom so that was probably my favourite because it actually won us the game whereas okay. yeah. I hold them I thought we were going to win the game but they they pegged us back and got back to 2-all but yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I, I never scored I, again just little facts I, I, I've never scored in the box they're all outside the box all outside the box aren't they yeah someone else said yeah fantastic yeah. and that was quite late on that was sort of like 97 98ish kind of time was, wasn't it yeah that was the promotion season that was promotion, it. Yeah, yeah 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 i think i was away that day and i was um i was actually on a stag do i think and i was looking at the scores and i went Nigel Gibbs scored a goal. We were talking about this the other day, weren't we? Oh, oh, yeah. A couple of weeks ago, you were saying, oh, I can't remember what game it was. I yeah. said, oh, it was Oldham. Definitely Oldham. I was there, yeah. So those two seasons then, they must be quite special, the uh, 97, 98, 98, 99. So what do you think was the, the real sort of carrying factor? Was it Graham Taylor? Was it um, the, the the selection of players like Ronnie Rosenthal coming in? Or was it something else? What was it that sort of galvanised the team for two sort of successive promotions the boss coming back certainly gave everyone lifts certainly gave me a lift I thought well we've got a chance now we've got even though Kenny had done a brilliant job he lost Kevin Phillips he stabilised the club we just missed out on the playoffs and and drew too many games and then obviously the boss took over at the end of that season another stroke of genius he he, um, he played Tommy Mooney left centre back in a three which is incredible you know Tommy's a striker but he played so we played him then Ronnie Rosenthal um came he was too good for the division that season he was incredible and I got the balance of the team right I played right wing back Darren Bays played further up the pitch and I don't know just got to, again he, he put together a winning team we certainly were fit we were together uh, we all had something to prove and I really enjoyed that season um, certainly playing a different role for me at wing back where you know I did have to get forward more but I really enjoyed it I mean I did actually get go through some of my games and some of the the goals that were scored in I actually assisted quite a few. I don't know the record, but, you know, my crossing was pretty decent when I did get up there. So um, I really enjoyed that season. And I, I don't know if you remember, we played Bristol City away. Yes. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And they brought out this banner that they were going to be champions because they were romping the league. And they we were, were yep. But we, yep. we drew one all and it, it just stuck in, stuck in my mind, stuck in the other lad's mind. And then obviously the last game of the season at, at Fulham where... Fulham. 
Obviously, Fulham yeah, had to win to get in the playoffs. Yeah, it's brilliant. And yeah. obviously, we promoted, but if we won and the other results, and again, they were, was... they were packed with um, quality as well, didn't they? Peter Beardsley was playing for them, yeah. Yes, uh, Pescalido and Pescalido, yeah. Bracewell, yeah. who I actually worked with at Spurs, who's an absolute legend for Everton, and he he was in that team as well, you know. So yeah, what, yeah. what a side they had! They should have won the league, really. They should have won the league. What they had, but I mean, I won the FA Youth Cup, and I hadn't won anything else with Watford, you know. We'd so to actually win something is is, is something special as of well. Of course, yeah. To get promoted and win the league. Mm. Wow, that's 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 great. So, you know, that was that was a really good season. And then obviously we carried it on into the um, championship. But you know, the boss again didn't have the finances that other clubs. I mean, in that division and and brought some. Was that Nicky Wright? Alan Smart. Yeah, Alan Smart. Yeah. yeah. So he brought players in again, something to prove. Hungry, who did well and. He sort of got got a team together, and I played quite early on. And then I got injured away at Bolton. I, I broke my toes, so I was out for two or three months. And then when I got fit, the team were doing really well. I couldn't get back in the side, and and that run at the end of the season when we won eight out of nine to to get in the playoffs was. Yeah. Uh, I was um, so when you travelled, you, you you very rarely did they look after you as extra players. It, not nowadays where they put you in a box or behind a bit. You know we were. I was at Port Vale on the terraces with, with the lads, like, you know, <laughs> standing there supporting the lads and then going back into the change rooms afterwards. But yeah, it, was, it was incredible, you know, such a great, great feeling to keep winning games, keep winning games and being the underdog. And then obviously the playoff and, and the playoff finals were yeah, something that, special, you know. I wanted to ask you about that because you had quite a unique position uh, for the playoff final. We've spoken to uh, Wrighty, we've spoken to Smarty, we spoke to Jono, but you were on the bench behind the gaffer for that game. I was, um, and you know, I played in the semi-final, and um, what a game that was, by the way! Oh, that was hot. Uh, and yeah. as a fan, I didn't think I was going to make it out there alive. I got to tell yeah, you, yeah, that was grim. <laughs> that was, <laughs> was grim, awful. Birmingham. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, very intimidating stadium. It, it was one of the noisiest uh, games I've ever played in. Yeah, uh, they can sing when they got it. Yeah, when they want to, they can sing. Those guys, oh. I tell you. And it was full, and they were right at him, but. You know, again, everyone has their own experiences. But for me, obviously, Robbo got sent off. Wasn't sure who they were going to play. The boss put his faith in me, played left back, hadn't played for... So going into that game, even with experience, you're always nervous. And uh, playing left back, big game. Oh, dear, I hope this goes well because I don't want to let the lads down, you know? Of course, yeah. Um, you now, everyone speaks about their own experiences of the penalties. I, I, I've, I was one of the best penalty takers in training, but in the game, that... Phew, no, not for me, really. I didn't really <laughs> want to take it, you know? I'm happy to, to admit that I've... I've, I've I missed an FA Southern Junior Flooded uh, final. I missed the penalty. I missed the penalty in a friendly, but I actually scored for England Youth in a, in a playoff shootout. So uh, I think I was ninth behind Micah Hyde. So we're going through the penalties and Micah's sitting down. He's shaking. He's making me even worse, Micah Hyde. You know, and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, come on, Chambo. Come on, Chambo. And yeah. so I'm one of the first to Chambo when he, when he, when he makes a save because I, I didn't want to take a penalty. Oh, relief. Uh, Absolute relief. No, yeah. I didn't want to take one. because <laughs> That I, was incredible. I, instead of thinking, well, I could be the hero, I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm going to let the lads down, you know, or yeah. let the fans down, let the cup down. But so anyway, so we, we obviously get to Wembley and then the boss has to speak to me about the team. So I know it's coming, but he knows I know it's coming as well because I'm experienced. But look, listen, I'm, I'm going to play Paul Robinson. OK, boss, I understand. I'm mm. ready if you need me. Uh, that was always my mentality whenever I got left out. Listen, I'm ready when you need me. I'll, I'll be ready, you know. And then, obviously, then I get told that by the boss that you're not going to be sub because he always put Chris Day on the bench, which not, not many other teams did. So we had a sub goalkeeper at Wembley. Right. Um, yeah. And not many teams. We had three, it was three subs in those days, and but he had Chris Day. 
Yeah. Uh, Alan Hazan and, and obviously Alan Smart. So I missed out. So I'm, I'm now on the bench. So there's me, Keith Millen, Ronnie Rosenthal, Tommy Smith, uh, Alex Bono. We're, we're, we're not, Stewie Slater, we're not in the team. So yeah. we're still part of it. But yeah. so literally sat behind the bench and obviously when we won, I was there, the first one to congratulate. Yep. The I've boss. seen it many times. The first one to shake yeah. his hand afterwards. I was, yeah, I've seen it many yeah. times. Nigel. So yeah. obviously delighted for him, but obviously I'm, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to be a Premier League player again. You know, I'm, I'm yeah, buzzing. Yeah. You know? nice. so yeah, yeah. Obviously yeah. I would love to have played at Wembley, never got the opportunity, but I played my part and I'm going to be a Premier League player next season. So happy days. Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. Going back to the, to the playoff final, just very quickly, you, were you in and around the dressing room pre-game then? Oh the yes, game. yeah. No, I was, state, I was in the squad, did the training. What was the, the atmosphere training. like in there then before before the game? I think we we played Bolton twice and beaten them, so mm. they yeah. had a very 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 good team. Again, probably they should have gone up um, automatically, but we, we were confident, but not arrogant. Um, we believed in what we're doing, and I don't know, just that belief the players had. I mean, I always look at, at even more so now when, when when I'm a coach, is looking at the teams when they walk out, the lads were right at it. You know, you can yeah. see them walking out with Wembley Tunnel, fully focused, confident, down base, you know, all the lads pay, you know, I just I just you we just had that feeling we were going to win. Didn't know how we were going to win, but you know, confident. You can never guarantee another boss is saying you can never guarantee a result, but you can guarantee in performance. That was his big thing, you know, and uh yeah. I always thought, you know, I think we've got a really good chance here. Get the performance right and the, and the chances are that, the, the, yeah, the results will follow. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. we had match winners on the day and, and it proved, you know. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, what a goal. The first goal, Nicky Wright. And in fact, to be honest, Smarty's goal with that volley was fantastic as well. But it's always going to be overshadowed by Nicky Wright's overhead kick, isn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. Also, the, the, the challenge before, the challenge before on the halfway line, we'll yeah. never be allowed now. No, <laughs> that was very <laughs> iffy. But, but the run and the pass from Peter as well. With the, oh, he's fantastic. Pace of the, you know, yeah. He's, yeah. He's we spoke. We spoke to Peter and uh, he, he was incredible as well. He, we, I, I look back at that that two seasons, you know, the, the coming up from that division and then the playoff final the, the following season. You just look at the players that we had and every single one of them was, they had something to prove. Even when um, Jason Lee, when he when, when Graham brought him in, people were like, really? We, you know, is it? But he, he wanted to prove himself and he scored goals. Uh, Gifton or Williams, you know, I, I could sit here and name name them all. Um, you sure Gongi? You know? Oh, and Gongi, yeah, you know, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. They were just, they were, you know, Pagey, Palm, just everyone. That was a proper team, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's Michael what I wanted to say. John O. Midfield, you know. It's, oh, yeah. Fantastic. It's, it was, you know, a good team. I mean, probably not the best players I played with, but yeah, as a yeah. team, well, you know, really, really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. What do you think builds that team like that? Definitely the manager. Again, you have to believe in what he's doing. You have to believe in the way he wants you to play. You know, what he wants you to do as an individual and, and part of that team framework. But yeah, it definitely comes from the manager. That's interesting to know because obviously as a fan, you don't you don't really realise maybe how these things are built or what it is the, the, the catalyst. Yeah. It's it's always hard to tell. I mean, you can guess. You can sort of think, well, you know, Graham's back and obviously he's made a difference. But it's, it, you know, it can't always just be that. So it's interesting to know that you, you think it was Graham Taylor that made a difference there. Yeah, also he... he his selection of players and characters that 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 was the big thing as well so we were fit we were organized we were hungry we had that desire within the framework that he wanted to play you still had the license to to, to be yourself right. if that makes mm. sense and, yeah, and yeah. play to your strengths so yeah. it wasn't robotic in any way or shape or form but every game we went to win every game we wanted to excite the fans you know it, it, within that you could be yourself so when did you sort of move over to the coaching side of things and how did that happen 
quite early, actually. I mean, I just love football. So I go to as many games as I can. I've been all over the world watching England. I've been, I'll, I'll go and watch any game to loads of finals. My my father was a coach. So, um, you know, I, I he was a player as well. So I just brought up on football. And my first cup final was 1975. It makes you feel old now. But 75 <laughs> with West Ham versus Fulham. John Mitchell played for Fulham. who actually played under my dad at St. Albans or with my dad at St. Albans and Sunday team. So he got his tickets. And also... My dad was um, quite well known in, in, in Hertfordshire. So the whoever dealt with the tickets for the Hertfordshire FA got England tickets and Wembley tickets. So I was buzzing. So, right, come on, we go. I went to the England-Scotland game when they came on the pitch. And... <laughs> oh, that was the <laughs> so I've got like Six Nations of... kind of thing, wasn't it? Yeah, but they, they it. came down, they so, tore the crossbar. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sort of going on a tangent here. But anyway, so no, no. I, um, my, my dad was coaching. So when, when I was a player, I, um, I used to go and help him on a Monday and Thursday night when I, when I was in the first team. So from the age I did, Graham encouraged a lot of players. So I did my first uh, FA badge with... Will Frostron, uh, Kenny Jacket, um, I think Luther probably was on that one, but there was a all first Will Frostron, and we went to Charlton's training ground, and we did our first coaching. So I think I was twenty one at the time. Wow! And then wow. after that, uh, the, the basic it was prelim, it was called then. So and my dad was coach, so I used to go Mondays and Thursdays. So. Now, I was in the first team, so those players were thinking, well, isn't that Nigel Gibbs coming? <laughs> so, so from an early age, I just went and watched my dad work and joined in the sessions and, and all that kind of stuff. So from sort of 21 on, I was I was going to, to coaching sessions. And then as it progressed and uh, when John McDermott became the academy manager, um, got to know him quite well. And uh, I, I took the sessions for him on a, on a Thursday or a Monday, whenever it was. And then I would go on a Sunday sometimes, obviously uh, training permitting um, and and and. and work with the, the coach there was always one coach with a team and then I would support so I always had an interest and that was always sort of when I finished playing was I, I want to stay in football I, I want to coach on the youth side that or somewhere in football I want to coach that's that's all I wanted to do and so so yeah from an early age really and then I eventually did my coaching badges later on in my career and then um so Ray Lewington was uh, quite a, a big, you know, influence on me. Um, he was the reserve team manager, as you know, when Luca was here, and yes. uh, so that was my last year of my contract. I didn't play much that year because I'd been injured, but I got to know Ray. I played in reserves, and and Luca Viali, I got on really well with him, and uh, uh, he wanted me to become his chief scout. Okay. So really? my last year of, the, of the, my contract. I used to go with Ray to do match reports when I was injured, so to, to get to know how it worked and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Cut a long story, obviously Luca left in the summer and then obviously Ray became the manager and he phoned me up just before he was going to get the job because I was there going to be the chief scout. He said, look, if I get the job, I want you to do the reserves. And I said, no, Ray, I'm not ready for that. Yes, you are. No, no, Ray, I'm not ready. I'm, listen, if I get the job, you're going to do the reserves. And that's basically what happened. So I literally went from playing to taking the reserves. I was gonna, I just, yeah, I, I couldn't really remember how it kind of, I don't want to say ended because it hasn't, but, you know, how, how it sort of panned out. And that's, that's, that's amazing to hear that he... Yeah. So literally yeah. I've gone from in the changing room with them to being their coach and yeah, yeah. on the job, to, 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 so to speak, because you know, I'd, I'd worked in the academy, so I, I'd done my coaching badges. I know how to coach. And cool, that was, a, that was a big, big ask really. But I've got to say Ray Lewington and Terry Burton were probably the two best mentors I could have had. You know, they were fantastic, fantastic. coaches, managers, as well as people. And I learned so much from them. And, you know, again, another you know, sort of, I'm really proud of that. We, we actually won the Premier Reserve League that year, my first year in the coaching. Wow. And, uh, uh, that was the first team outside the Premiership to to win the Premier Reserve League. Wow. So Ashley Young, uh, Hammer Boaza, Lloyd Doyley. Oh, there's some names. Yeah. It, it was so, well, this is amazing. So 
I was around the first team on match days, looking and learning from them. They kept me involved and then taking the reserves. And yeah, it, it, it was incredible. So that's where my coaching. So I did two. So I did a year and a half and then Terry Burton left. And then I stepped up to be the first team coach with, with Ray, uh, although he brought Terry Bullivant in as well, to, to, who had more experience than me, but uh, worked with Ray. And, and that was, he was incredible, Ray. And uh, I know you know the stories, but Ray did an incredible job for the club at that time because we had to take the pay cut. Yeah. We had to cut the wage bill from nine million to three million, sell your best players, still be competitive, get to a semi-final of the cup. And I, and I still to this day think the club were really harsh on sacking him. I thought it was a wrong decision. I, and I still still stand by I that. I totally know? agree with you. I think there was a, a bit of an air of why have you done this? It was it was quite unpalatable. And he, I think what Ray did as well is he also managed to bring in some quite decent loan signings. Uh, Danny Webbers and... Chopra. Chopra and, and, and those kind of players. He was bringing in on loan and... And, you know, we didn't have the best squad, but we still had players like Helgerson knocking around and uh, I think Alan Nielsen and these sort of players. And yeah. it was it felt as though it was on the cusp of being something quite good, I think. Yeah, when when you're having to take a pay cut to, to stop people losing jobs, cutting the wage bill and then still be competitive, it's really difficult for a manager. You know, again, I haven't had experiences. Uh, I know the budgets and that when you come on the coaching side, but he was unbelievable through that with his... Um, positivity, his coaching, his management skills, his man management. Uh, the crowd were really with him. So he did a brilliant job. I mean, I think any other manager would have really struggled and, and probably we would have, could have got relegated. Uh, I, I strongly believe that. And yeah. I, I learned a lot from from him. He, he's, he's, he's a top manager. Yeah, you're right. I think there was, um, it just felt something was on the cusp, I think. And then all of a sudden, Ray's gone and, and A.D. Boothroyd's brought in. And then that seemed to be kind of, you were asked to leave or was that right? Yeah, obviously I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay at Watford, but... Yeah, um, obviously Ray gets sacked. I get kept on and made caretaker, but it was in the international break, so I didn't actually take a game, but no. I had to look after training. And then I was actually asked in that period twice by the chairman, would I be interested in taking the job? And normally when they ask you that is, if I'd have said yes, possibly I would have got the job. But two reasons, I, 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 I didn't think I was ready and I would never do that to Ray because I thought I was part of the Ray Lewington. But a loyalty Ray thing, said, yeah. look, if you yeah. want the job, you should take it sort of thing. But I, I didn't. And then... A.D. Bouvroy came in and I was pushed to the side, basically. I ended up back doing the reserve. Even though I was assistant manager, David Hockaday was promoted up, Keith Birkinshaw. He was actually a good guy. and But I was left with the leftover players and sort of out of meetings and stuff like that. So... It, it 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 didn't it wasn't right. He, he obviously didn't want me there, but he didn't want to get rid of me at that period, which which he should have done. So anyway, cut a long story short. At the end of the season, we went away, tried to get meetings with him. It didn't happen. We went and did our pro license together. Literally, that would be two days. The license pro license ended two days before the preseason started, and then I was called into his office and and he sacked me then, which he should have done before. It wasn't the decision so much, but it's the timing. The way it was done and the timing was was not. Not great. Yeah. So in football, people get sacked all the time and there's no sentiment. It was the timing, to be honest, and the way it was done, you know. It's so, uh, but anyway, that's, 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 that's what happened. So literally that from sort of for 23 years full time and from 11, I was, couldn't talk, uh, had to leave the building and, and, and off I went. I don't know if you're aware from a fan's point of view, but there was a lot of discontent about that, Nigel. There was a lot of sort of talk on sort of the Watford Observer forums and... I said some bad words. Generally, there was a lot of like, yeah. wow, you've done that to Nigel Gibbs. Yeah, I think it's a football... It's if- a football decision is a football decision and you've got to do what you think is right, but there's ways of doing it. Mm. You know, that, yeah, that, that, yeah. that was always my, 
thing about it because I've been at club, I've been sacked since, but there's ways of doing it. Of and, course. you know, I think I felt after 23 years, then there was a better way of doing it. You know, and You've kind of been, I, I assume you get sacked as a package though, don't you? Because you go in with a management team or... Normally, yes, normally. Yeah, yeah so it's, guys, come in, come in. Right, thanks very much. See you, be good. That yes. is it generally how it that, that's normally so if the manager goes normally if he's brought a team with him they normally all go at the same time or if it's a manager and assistant manager they would probably be gone as well you know but uh i was left basically you know mm. um and i was in limbo and uh, anyway that that's it's gone now it's it's, it's history, yeah so well this is the the, the bit that that kind of um I, I, i'm really interested in not that i'm not interested in your playing days because my god i was but it this is the stuff that we don't really get the opportunity to talk to people that are in and around it. So it's it's almost like a a myth on what happens and how do you, how do you get approached? You know, and all the, all this sort of stuff. It's 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 quite incredible. So obviously you you, you left Watford. You then picked up at Reading. Brian McDermott, am I right in saying? Before that, I um went because I got sacked literally two days before prison. It was very difficult to get a job and to cut a long shot. So I ended up scouting for Kenny Jacket, who was uh, manager of Swansea. So I did his match reports because I I couldn't get a job anywhere. And then I coached three times uh, a week uh, on on the night time with the Tottenham Academy because John McDermott had gone there. So I did three nights and that was with Ryan Mason, Jake Livermore, Adam Smith. I had good experience learning how to to coach in the academy because I hadn't done that. I'd only worked with pros. And then I did match reports with Kenny. So that was my first season away from Watford. And then, as you said, uh, I went to Reading and Steve Koppel was the manager. Steve Koppel, um, sorry, yeah, that's it. Steve Koppel was the manager. Uh, Wally Downs, Kevin Dillon, and Brian was the chief scout, but also did the reserve. So I came in as the development coach. Again, our first year uh, there, we, we won the Premier Reserve League again. So I had Gilfie Sigurdsson, I had Jem Carrigan, Alex wow. Pierce, Hal Robson-Carnu, Alex McCarthy. Um, so a fantastic, um, Simon Church, first year pros, and, and obviously they all went on to have great careers. So again, it was a real learning curve. So it was quite new to me, that role. So I, I, but eventually I worked closer with the first team. I got on really well with Steve Koppel, still speak to him now. He's, he's, he's another genius, uh, absolute top, top manager and top person. Steve left. So we, in the Premier League, my first year was their first year in the Premier League. Uh, got 55 points, nearly got into Europe. Next season, struggled, got relegated. Steve got into the playoffs the year after. And then he decided that that was it. And then Brendan Rodgers came in. Right. OK. Were you part of the Reading set up that day? There was that sort of ghost goal at Watford. I was indeed. Yes. I wasn't part of the first thing. But I was at <laughs> it was, you, it was your the fault then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly couldn't believe what I, I was seeing. I, you know, I, never, I can't believe that ref was allowed to carry on. <laughs> honestly, can't believe he was allowed to carry on. But when you look at it back, you think, how could they get it so wrong? You know, it's yeah, it wasn't that obvious. You know, it was obvious that it wasn't a goal, wasn't it? You know, yeah, it might have been, but uh, yeah, no, I was, I was there for that game. <laughs> I thought you might have been, yeah. <laughs> Just explain how it kind of works then. So do you get a phone call from, from somebody that you've worked with or know? They, they phone you up and say, Mr. Dodge Gibbs, look, I've got an opportunity. At, in fact, let's let's go straight for it. Let's let's ask you this. I got in contact with you, of course, some, some months ago to say, oh, look, would you come and do this? Yeah. And I think it was... Maybe a couple of days before we would we were due to sort of sit down and, and do this, you said, "Sorry, lads, something's come up. Can't explain. I'll tell you know. I'll, I'll I'll let you know." And then I'm sitting at home minding my own business. Sky Sports News. Boom, 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 boom. You're involved in Tottenham. So just sort of take me through how that's that's come about because it was incredible and it it was like 
get in there. Go on, Nigel. He's at Spurs now. <laughs> no, I was like that as well. Um, so, so when I got the Reading job, it was Ray Lewington who phoned Steve Coppel and said, or Steve Coppel, but do you know any coaches? And he recommended me to Steve Coppel. So that's how I got the Reading job. Obviously, Kenny got you. is a long-term colleague and, and, and friend and player. So that's how I got the um, uh, the Swansea gig and then John McDermott. Yeah, so basically when, when I was going to do the, the, the podcast with you guys, uh, I was sitting at home and uh, Ryan Mason called me and said, look, Jose's been sacked. Um, I've been put in caretaker. Will you come and help me? Now, I spent a year and a half with Ryan uh, at Spurs before I went to Circle yeah. Bruges. So I got to know Ryan quite well. Although I coached him as a young boy, we hadn't sort of come across each other um, until I started working with him again, you know. So that's how it was. So obviously we got on well. He, he liked what I did as a coach and said, look, will you come and help me? So that, that that's how that one came about. When Brendan was manager at uh, Reading, he had Dean Austin with him and uh, Frank Lampard Senior, and I was still doing the reserves, but he got sacked. And then Brian McDermott took over and moved me up because we worked well together. I followed him to Leeds when we got sacked. And then yeah. I came back down and um, uh, I wasn't doing anything for my longest period out. actually. And then I nearly came back to Watford, but I actually went to Millwall. Ian Holloway phoned me from someone recommending me. So I went to Millwall. Now, um, I imagine there's some stories there, isn't there, Nigel? Working with yes, Ian so, Holloway. Uh, yeah. so, so a lot of people He's asked. Me. Yeah, so, um, so that was an experience. It was an experience. But I, I nearly went back to Watford. I'd agreed to go back to Watford, um, which people... Oh, wow. Uh, Jukanovic was in charge. And basically, he didn't, he didn't want me. So the gist of it, the club wanted me. Jukanovic didn't want me. I said I'd come in and work because it was Watford and I wanted to go back. But I was going to be there fourth coach and I wasn't really going to be doing too much and he sort of described it as being an interpreter so it put me off quite a lot and basically he didn't want me and then it dragged on and then the last minute he said he wanted me but I knew he didn't want me so I didn't go Ian Holloway called said I need some help so you're right there was some stories there um he was having a bad time to be honest at Millwall at the time and um really tough place to go and work uh actually got on well with the players but we talk about having a good spirit and togetherness wasn't there they try to play a certain style of football which isn't the Millwall way the fans were getting on the backs and so a little story about Ian Holloway Ian Holloway is a really passionate guy and you either like him or, or loathe him he's actually a really good guy got a heart of gold but he's eccentric so the last, his last game um, was Norwich City at home Norwich were top of the league Millwall was struggling losing 1-0 he come out from the dugout and I've never experienced this before or, or since that <laughs> The fans, it was like a goal being scored in the World Cup final. The noise was at Ian Holloway booing him. It was incredible. <laughs> so, wow. He couldn't he couldn't go out to to the touchline. I had to go out. He said, Nigel, you're gonna have to go out. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, so they didn't really know me, but every time Ian Holloway came out, it was the the noise I've never known it was fierce. But Toxic. Staff at Millwall, the people behind the scenes are brilliant, really down to earth, great people. So I actually like the people there, but the fans were really, really, really tough on Ian Holloway there. So it's go, you go yes. out instead, Nigel. You're you're out. Go on, you go. I don't want to be That's booed it. anymore. And I'm thinking, well, <laughs> oh, this is this is this is interesting. This is one for the book. I'm trying so, to think who he replaced. He didn't replace Neil Harris, did he? Neil Harris replaced him. Replaced him. Right there, you go. Yeah, I, I, knew, I knew he was sort of Ian Holloway. Ian Holloway had left Palace. He'd done a good job at Palace. Yeah, we, we know that. We know that, Mr. Yes. Yeah, let's yeah, not talk that. about that. Well, I was at the game as well, so... Uh, um, Bloody Kevin, Kevin Phillips. Phillips as well. <laughs> I know. 
Yeah, he was, um, he was... so yeah, that's that's that story. So uh, after that, when I was at Spurs, um, there's a fitness coach I worked with at Reading before, and he knew Paul Clement. He'd worked with him at Chelsea. Paul Clement was at Bayern Munich at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he'd, been at, he'd been with Ancelotti at Chelsea, Real Madrid, PSG, and then obviously went to Bayern Munich. And that's some CV, isn't it? I know he's incredible. He's won ten trophies. He, he's uh, he's a very very good coach, and he will be a good manager. But there's mitigating circus. I won't bore you with that. So to cut a long story short, I, I nearly went to Milton Keynes Don's as assistant manager so I was on driving up to meet Milton Keynes I wasn't going to go but I wanted to go for the experience I hadn't met many chairmen and people and on the way up I get a call from Paul Clement says uh, what are you doing I said well I'm actually going up to meet the chairman with uh, Paul Mitchell who was at Spurs at the time and he was going to possibly be manager he said look I'm coming back to England I'm going to get a job very soon and uh, I'd really like you to be one of my assistant coaches would you do that he said it, worst ways is going to be championship but it could be premiership and I'm thinking <laughs> yeah I, I fancy that so I never worked with Paul I'm before, up for that. And yeah. So within about a month, he'd called me and said, "Listen, I've got the job at Swansea. Will you come and be my one of my coaches?" So it, it was through a friend who'd recommended me to him, and he'd obviously done his homework. And so that's how it works. So to answer your question, it's it's probably people you work with, or being yeah, you, you build those relationships up yes. with, and, and yeah. hopefully your reputation. And 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 um, a lot of coaches now have got their own uh, agents. To be honest, I haven't, but a lot of them have got their own agents and wow. will work with a manager and move around. I'd say majority of coaches in the Premier League will have an agent. Yeah. So theoretically, if if I don't know, let's I, I could pick anyone, any club. They phoned you up and said, uh, Nigel, are you free? I know we haven't worked together, but I hear good things. You would potentially just up and go off your own. Back not because an agent's then phoned you up saying, yes. well, we can get this and we can get that. Yeah, no, I, I was probably one of the few players, even at the, I never had an agent. So possibly could have earned more money on it, but I, I wasn't interested in that, to be perfectly honest, you know. Uh, and it's the same as the coaching now. I, I love being on the grass. I've been approached quite a few times over the years to be a manager of lower league clubs because obviously people are but. I, I, I couldn't handle the managing up. Is, yeah. that, is, is that not something yeah. that, that's Goes not something it. that's not something that interests you? Even though you've worked under oh. some great managers and you've you got to know thyself. And I think, is it is it hiding to nothing? I think in, so, in some ways, yeah. And and it's certainly a drug. So I love working on the grass. So I, I've been in Tottenham. So twenty threes to to sixteen under 16 so you know I haven't got an ego where I've got to work in you know I can work with whatever um, age group or whatever league as long as it's the the right job the right people that's the most important for me and you know I I get the support that you know that 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 you need but I've never really gone on a money mover it's always been a career move for me or or enjoyment because I I love working with players I love coaching I love being the assistant it's not easy at times It's, it's not an easy role because you know, you're in between the manager and the players and everything that goes with it. But I think probably at my age, I think that's probably my strength. You know, I mm. Um, I don't want to be a manager. It's when you no. see pl- uh, managers like Roy Hodgson going on to, into their seventies, oh. you think, "How do you cope with the stress of that?" It must be quite something. Yes, and wow, what 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 a job he's done as well. The last four years, at, oh yeah, at Addison. I know there's a bit of history now. We've no, he's, he's had a decent assistant though. Unbelievable assistant. I actually spoke to Ray a couple of days ago, and uh, his son has been put in caretaker charge at MK Dons at the moment. Yes, Dean Lewington. Yeah, he used to play right back, didn't he? Um, what's his name? Is it Dean Lewington? Dean Lewington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played about games and he's been and Ray's helping him Ray's, help, Ray's retired now he's not going to but he obviously finished at pace but he's helping he's like I spoke to him he's 
he's, he's unbelievable, Ray. He's absolutely Fantastic. top, top man, you know. Awesome. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Ray Lewinson. I think uh, it always it always pain me to see him sat next to uh, to him on the bench in a Palace, uh, Palace <laughs> thing. But anyway, it could have been worse. He could have been, you know, that lot up the road or whatever. But he's but... got a lot of affection for Watford, Ray. You know, he's... Oh, uh, good. He's... That's oh, good that's... to know. That's really good that's... to know. Oh, yeah, really, really, really has. That's, that's good, good to, know. to know. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, we have got some questions from listeners, Nigel. Before we get into that, obviously you were playing for a very, very long time. Can you name maybe, let's see, you were there for quite a long time, 20 years, three players that were really difficult to play against and and three players that you thought, oh, I'm so glad I played with them. Well, I'll do the best players that play for, with me. Uh, John Barnes, without a doubt, best player. Luther and, I'm gonna, and John McClelland. Oh, um, Big Mac, yeah. He was fantastic, wasn't he? Yeah. In the so those three players were probably the, the best three that I, I, I played. But John Barnes was, was incredible and Luther... And and John McCann. So, so the other the other player, I, I was very fortunate to play for England youth in under twenty one for England. And I played with Paul Gascoigne. Oh wow! Oh wow! There's so one. he was unbelievable. So that team I played with, um, all near enough became full internationals. I, I, I wasn't good enough, but uh, Tim Tim Flowers in goal. I played with wow. uh, Des Walker, Tony Torrigo, Torrigo. Sorry, um, God rest his old Rocky Rowcastle, David Rowcastle. Oh. Um, wow. Teddy Sheringham. Wow. So it's some under 21 team I played with, you know. That's they fantastic. were incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nigel Clough. Oh, nice. Jesus. Yeah. 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 So early on in the career, I'd say I had a lot of battles against Paul Simpson, who was at Man City at the time. We we, we seemed to play them a lot. We played FA Cup games and in the in the old first division Premier League now. So Paul Simpson was always a battle. I tell you, there's a guy at QPR. He, he wasn't really, uh, but his pace was frightening. A guy called Wayne Faraday. Oh yeah, Faraday. Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember oh, him. He was yeah. like an Olympic sprinter, so he was uh, it caused me caused me a few problems um, <laughs> with his pace. So I had to slow him down a little bit. Um, after that, I don't I don't really think of many that I, I really worried about playing. You know, um, pacey one. So later on in the career, I played against Overmars, who was. Ooh. Incredible for Arsenal, very pacey. Yep. Yeah, Ryan Giggs. So those players always, you know, uh, will, will cause you problems. In, in uh, your position, though, is it pace that is is the is the pain in the backside, or, or physicality, or, or a bit of both? I guess that was always what I was questioned when I became a, a professional was defending the back post because I was five foot six and a half, and mm. you, know, you got to win your headers and be physical. But I somehow found found a way. But I think pace as a defender, you're always worried about the pace and people getting in behind you. So yeah. Uh, that was that was always the, the worry for me that show you know, them down the line. Distances. Show them down coming, the line. That's what I that's mean. <laughs> Correct, and make sure the winger helped you in front. You know, uh, yeah. Darren Baisley, World's Third, and Nigel Cannon did a great job for me. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think pace was always uh, sort of. I was quite sharp over short distances, but over bigger distances, if you're exposed, you you can feel quite lonely as a fullback. Uh, this is why yeah. you were always on the halfway line, then, Nigel. That's why you didn't Absolutely. go over. <laughs> I was always reading the danger before it happened. <laughs> You can read a game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. So the first question comes via Twitter um, from You Warns TV, friend of the podcast. Um, your playing career was one, uh, excellent, with one club, whereas your coaching career has been a, a, a bit more sporadic. Have you enjoyed the experience of different clubs and how it's made you reflect on playing at only one club in hindsight? Uh, yes, it's been a really good experience actually coaching and also I've coached abroad now. Abroad now. Mm. I, I coached in Belgium, which was a really, really good experience. Um, 
I never had to do it as a player, as you've said. And I know how difficult it is going into another club, um, you know, as a coach to sort of gain the respect of the players and get to know the club. So it must be quite difficult for players coming in. So I never really experienced that. But I was obviously one of the players who'd been at the club a long time and was club captain. I always try to, you know, make sure that the players always felt welcomed, you know, and uh, to try and help them much as I could. And it's harder to move around, definitely, as as a player, without a doubt. It's just made me spring a question now. I'm going to ask you, were you ever close to leaving during your playing career? Um, There was a couple of times that um, since finishing, uh, I found out that people were, had made inquiries and in those days without an agent and without the Mm. club didn't let you know. And, it wasn't the Bosmans and f- more players. So I didn't really find out. There's one time I was linked with Arsenal. There was only a couple of times, really, we spoke about the early 90s and sort of mid-90s that I was thinking maybe maybe it's time for me to move them because we're struggling, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I still think I've got a lot of good years left in me. But for whatever reason, the, the club never wanted to sell me. And, and when I wanted to, you know, or, you know, it just never happened. And, never happened. And I was quite comfortable with that, to be perfectly honest. I'd never, I'd never ever went in and said, I want to leave. I never asked for transfer. I never had an agent to negotiate a contract. So, you know, it, it, it just, that's the way it was, you know. And I was, you know, when we were losing and struggling, and then you were thinking, well, either the club's got to get better players or can I, you know, improve can I go myself? and find but something? It never happened. And, and I, I'm... I never look back and regret not moving one bit at all. In fact, it's the opposite, you know? Mm. So, so if that link with Arsenal had been a little bit more concrete, would you have thought about it maybe? Or do you think, no, I want to stay at Watford? I think it was the time where we actually got relegated and they were obviously still a, a big club. So I think I would have actually considered it yeah, because it would have been the top division. Yeah. I actually could have gone with the boss to Aston Villa. That was, that was one occasion where he tried to get a couple of players to go. I think Steve Sims went, didn't he? He, he actually... Yeah. They were in the second division and we were in... So there's no way I was going to go, even though it was the boss, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Watford and so... So there were, there were occasions, but nothing concrete and, and more than happy that uh, I didn't leave. And we're, gl- uh, and we're glad you didn't either, Nigel. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, right, next question comes from Paul Goom. It's a great question, actually. Describe GT in just three words. Oh, yeah. Well, genius, um, motivator, discipline. Nice. Tough question, that, isn't it? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's very hard to say three words. I mean, yeah, he was gen- genius is, yeah, in my opinion, always uh, a genius. Yeah. A motivate, motivator, incredible motivator of players and, and teams and, and discipline. We were very disciplined, you know. We were yeah. very disciplined. In, and I use that, a lot of the stuff I learned from him in my coaching career now, use it as a player. Whatever manager I had, I was always very disciplined and, and, and taking it into my coaching and, and my life, really. So that's why I say disciplined, you know. Um, this is just a statement, but I wanted to read it out. It uh, comes from Brian Edwards and he's put, is there time to get registered for Saturday? <laughs> so obviously feeling we might need a bit of cover of right back. <laughs> uh, I've got to say, um, playing is still, there's nothing that beats playing without a doubt, even being a coach for all these years and nothing beats playing. Yeah, no, no, it, I, I can imagine. I, I bet it's like blink and then you go, where's that gone? I know, I, I can remember my debut. I can remember signing for the club. I, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, it goes so quickly. And I've been finished playing for 19 years now. When you say it like that, well. Yeah, it's a long time, but you know, you, you had a 20 year career there, which is. I know, that's it. I'm very, I mean, the lifespan of a pro is probably three, four years. 
year, something like that, if if you average it out, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, we were talking to Gifton Noel Williams, and he was saying yeah. he was being told he was going to have to retire at 18 because of um, arthritis, and you think, wow, you Bonkers, know, that's, isn't it? that's no age whatsoever to be sort of talking about retiring. Yeah. So to have a 20-year career at one club, I, I, yeah, like we said earlier, I don't think there's many players that have done that, really. I think you're kind of uh, different in, in the way that you stayed for so long at the same club. It's it's, it's quite a thing, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. How, actually, John Sinclair, have you come across John Sinclair? Um, no. He, he's, he's a stats man at Watford and he always keeps it. But I, I wonder how many game, consecutive games I've played rather than, obviously, I've played a lot of games. but uh, And also for the reserves, I've never actually counted reserves and youth team. Yeah, but, yeah, right. Um, Sort of, it must be a fair few, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, watch Watford as well from the terraces, which is uh, incredible. So, I, I did the Southampton home and away when we won 7 1. Oh, the 7 1. I was away at 4 0 <laughs> as well on the coach. The coach saw on a Friday night in Division Three, you know, it's, uh, I've been up to, you know, I've been up to Sunderland when we got beat 5 0 on the train, met Gary Porter, and so. <laughs> It, 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 so that's how the special memories come, you know, and, and yeah. the, the Philly affiliation. You've, ex- you've experienced what it's like to be a fan. I have, yeah. <laughs> I'm a football fan anyway. I, I love yeah. football. I, you know, that's that's it. I'm very passionate and still come to Watford whenever I can, you know. And, and no, I, I've been made an ambassador, which I'm very proud of as well, you know. But, yeah. you know, people say, oh, you've been made an ambassador. I think when you work for the boss, you became an ambassador straight away with him because mm. of what he instills in you, you know, the your principles, your morals, your, the way you live your life and the way, way you carry yourself. So, you know, yes, it's great to have that ambassador, but I think all the players that played under him are ambassadors anyway of the football club because that's the way it was instilled in you. Yeah. When, you when you say it was instilled in you, was it just little things he said occasionally or was there a sort of a sit down and a, this is how I'd like yeah. you to behave? Just- or- Give of your best. That's you know. You're, if you give of your best, never give up. Be the best you can be. All those things, and you know, be fit. But, you know, all those, and play fair but hard. You know, all those little things. But basically, it's like you know, you you you've got to be disciplined. You have got to be hungry. All those things guaranteeing that you will give your best. Yeah. If you gave your best, that that's all he wanted. That that was it. You know. So yeah, just those yeah. things. You know. That so this came from. I think this came from Arsenal many years ago when Bertie Mee came to Watford with with the boss. He um his thing was remember who you are. What you are and whom you represent wow and that's that's it that's amazing and i think there could be some of that sort of now uh instilled in players because i think mm. I, I think a little, nice. a little bit of that's been lost i don't know whether it's wages or whether it's the fact there's so much spotlight on players these days or whatever it is but i think a little bit of humility would go a long way with some players i think these days it, it to me as a fan it feels that way yeah i think times i think they, the players these days do do a lot as well you know they don't obviously promote it as much there's some who promote it more but i think you know, Watford still do a great, the, the trust is brilliant. I think the players at Watford do, do a lot. And uh, I think obviously in, in the era I played in and, you know, I still live in the town, so I, I still walk in the Harlequin. I know it's not the Harlequin anymore, but I it still is still it's always the Harlequin. It is it's to still, us, it's Nigel. always been the Harlequin. <laughs> the Harlequin, you know, and uh, so, and we shop locally and we go into town. And so, you know, that's, although I've got the title of ambassador, I, I'm an ambassador of the boss, you know, it's, mm. and that's, that's nice. Watford, you know, it's, that's, that's how it is, you know. I must have done nearly every local children, you know, kids football, Evergreen, uh, Nascot Wood, the Sun Sport. I've done all their presentations. And, and then in those days, we had the sponsors night. So I still speak to the sponsors who first sponsored me, you know. Oh, so amazing. Graham, amazing. Andy Burrell, you know, so I still speak to those and still in contact <laughs> with them. That's so amazing. That's, that's the way it is. So now whether that's just me, I don't know, but I'd like to think there's other players as well. But when I go to Watford, there's still people I know and wave, I go to golf or whatever. There's, 
it's it's great. It's great for me that people still remember me, you know, all those years later. You know, it's 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 it's, it's a privilege. You know, this is uh this next question is a great one. It comes from Jason Grace. It's how much more difficult is it for kids to go through the academy system now than it was in your day? It's very very difficult now because the influx of the uh, international players that come into the league, it's very difficult to to go through. I mean, if you're at a club, I think go from the age of eight to twenty one is is like one percent. It's it's to be in the it's, it's such so, a small uh, percent. I'm not not far off off that figure, but it's very very difficult. It really is. I think um, to break through into a, a Premier League team is very tough on the players, and uh, if you do that, you, you've got to be some player because the, the the standard of the Premier League is is incredible. Mm. Obviously, it's getting harder for the England manager to pick players because of the pool of England players uh, playing in in the league. But the the league on its own is is top draw and. So to answer the question, yeah, I think it's really difficult, really difficult. What we hope at Watford now with Jimmy and, and Richard going back into the academy, yeah. Jimmy Gill and Richard Johnson, that, you know, they're going to help uh, develop those players and, and get some more Watford players, in, in, you know, homegrown players into that team. But it's going to be difficult and because yeah. they're in the Premier League and you can't be sentimental. They've got to be good enough. That's mm. that's the bottom that's line. The, you know, you yeah, always absolutely. got to be good enough. Yes, it's, 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 it's not easy. <laughs> Again, uh, it, it is a question, but a brilliant one. It comes from Colin Payne. Um, who has had the best the best wedge haircut was it you or Gary Porter uh, definitely me <laughs> <laughs> yeah my 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 nickname was from Neil Price uh, did it uh, was Bowlhead or, or Martina Navratilova they were <laughs> they were my and Tom Farm they were my nicknames Tom uh, Farm. So definitely me. There were some great haircuts in that uh, that that era. For Colin West's mullet, I'll always remember quite fondly. Yes. Uh, Callie's perm. Yes. I mean, there were some great haircuts in there. There were some too. great haircuts, weren't there? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the final question comes from um, Sam, and it's it, it's looking at uh, the, the the team now. Who's your favourite player in the current Watford team? Mm, good question. Saar. I like exciting players, so Saar yeah. really would be the one. I saw a little bit of them last season, not not a lot because I was in Belgium until late on, obviously busy at Spurs. But yeah. um, I thought the midfield three had a really good season last year. Um, Will Hughes, Cleverly and, and Shalabar. But Saar was the, the, the standout player for me for the season. I thought he was uh, too good for the league at times. Really exciting player. I think Troy, Troy has, has been a real good servant to the club. I actually liked uh, Serialty. Uh, Serialty, yeah, great. Had a really good season. I hadn't seen much of him. I saw three or four games near the end of the season. I thought, hmm. He, he did well, so I'd be interested to see how they go this year. Yeah, no, I, I, it's um, they've had to cut their cloth accordingly, but I think bringing players in like Danny Rose with his experience, I think he's, I think he could be a, a quality addition. It's, 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 a, it's going to be a tough season. Doesn't matter what anyone says. But yeah, looking forward to it though. Yeah, I think uh, also having the fans back will make a big difference. Yeah, big you know, difference. It's, it's brilliant to have fans. I mean, that's I missed out on that experience in Belgium. We only had three games where we had small crowds, and then obviously at the end of the season we, we only had two two games with crowds. So I missed mm. that experience at, uh, at Tottenham with, with with the crowds. So football without the fans is nothing. That, that's yeah, it. you know, it's it's it's. Uh, and to, to- to, coming from you, I assume we make a difference when we're when we're at it. We, you know, we we can make and break games. I, I guess without a doubt. And I think so. When you're playing, you, you you focus, but it's when the ball goes dead or something happens or attack or that's when the crowd really comes to life. But I think with, with the with the fans at Watford now, it's the the the, the noise is good. It's, mm. it's a good atmosphere there because they're it's on tight. Top. It's a tight ground. It's a tight ground now. The weather. 1881 yeah. club have done a brilliant job, haven't they? You know. Yeah. And, 
and the and the banners are brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, enjoy the atmosphere when you go there. You know, it's it's been good. I think they can't wait to get back, can they? You know. It's, yeah, no. Looking forward good. to Saturday. I must admit. Yeah. yeah. Whilst I don't want to put you on the spot, Nigel, um, how do you think we're going to do this season? I think if Watford can stay up, I think that's a really good season because it's so difficult, the Premier League. I think Watford can stay up. I really do. I think So I think that's got to be the first target. And then after that, who knows? But it's going to be a difficult. It's going to be a yeah. difficult season. You know, it's... Uh, but exciting, you know. It's, it's 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 Watford in the Premier League again. You know, it's 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 great, isn't it, for everyone? So, yeah. um, I'm hoping they'd be better than just staying up. But if you said, look, Watford stay up, I'll take that now. You take that, yeah. Just on uh, before we sort of wrap up, any um, any uh, obviously you can't say too much, but any irons in the fire for you with regards to uh, what you're up to work wise? Yeah, I um I've missed out on a couple of opportunities, but I'm actually going to go um, work back in the academy at Spurs on Monday. So um, brilliant. I was going to work. 23s, uh, same role I did before, and then um, and then go from there, which I really enjoy. It's, I've got to say, it's a, it's a really good club to work for. I like the people there. Obviously, facilities are second. How nice is that stadium, though? Oh, the stadium's incredible, and so uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And it's a it's a it's a different um, buzz because you get the, the satisfaction of players developing and getting getting their yeah, careers yeah. and so it's different from first team where it's win but I still I still love that buzz of being on the grass coaching so um, awesome. I'm looking forward to it and then and then who knows after that this is Shorty and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast enjoy the game you're, you're a gentleman thank Legend. you very much Nigel for joining us that's been absolutely fantastic no worries Justin no problem all, all the right. best Nigel take it thank easy thank you mate. enjoy Saturday yeah, cheers, cheers mate thank Bye. you Bye. cheers Need a gift idea for the outdoor adventure in your life? Shop the Allbirds Mizzle Collection, made with water-repellent puddle guard technology and ZQ-certified merino wool with a low environmental impact. It's a natural fit for winter runs. And Allbirds offsets the carbon footprint to make their Mizzle Collection carbon neutral, so you can take comfort in treading lighter. Get on their nice list this year with the Allbirds Mizzle Collection. Discover your perfect pair at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <laughs> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.